Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tom Kang. Liquidchurch.com, living water for a thirsty world. You all can have your seats. I tell you what, they have been practicing. They have been waiting all week to do some of that stuff. It's so great. And you know what? I mean, how could we possibly kick off or, or be in the middle, actually, of a Rock God series without paying due homage to New Jersey's greatest hair band of all time? I mean, look at that stuff right there, right? I mean, you guys know. I mean, you just whisper the words, slippery when wet. And all of a sudden, like instantaneously, we're all transported back to a day where all you needed was a fresh can of Aquanet and maybe some guest jeans, right? And you can make it through the day no matter how bad it was. And you know, since then, Bon Jovi has actually made quite a name for themselves as this little band from Sayerville, New Jersey, actually rocketed to global superstardom selling over... 100 million albums with crazy hit singles like Living on a Prayer and my favorite, You Give Love a Bad Name, right? In fact, the band's fourth album, many of you know this, named after their home state, still holds the record for most top 10 singles by a hard rock album, by a hard rock uh, band with over five. No other band has actually since equaled or overcome that amount. And, And it all started, of course, with the song that the band just played, Bad medicine, right? This, this song about, uh, it's, it's, this, it's this analogy of sorts where it compares the act of falling in love with, of all things, to bad medicine. Yeah, I, I just want you to stop for a second and check out these lyrics, right? I ain't got a fever, got a permanent disease. It'll take more than a do- Can you tell why I'm on the band, right? <laughs> all together now, right? Your love is like bad medicine, Bad medicine is what I need. Whoa, shake it up, right? It's this funny little metaphor, right? That true love, which tastes so good, can actually at times be so bad going down. Bad medicine. And I tell you what, today's passage is actually no different because talk about bad medicine. We're going to look at a situation where Jesus, the great physician himself, Well, let's just put it this way. If there was ever a a scenario in the Bible that called for some sort of malpractice suit, Mark chapter 5 is it. In fact, if you're a doctor or a lawyer in here, actually, if, if you've even ever been a patient, then this is the one passage that you do not want to miss because it actually asks the question, if God really does love us, then why does his delayed response to our pains sometimes make us feel so bad? So folks, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. And uh, we're going to start there with verse 21. Mark chapter 5 is found on page 697 in your Bibles. This is encounter number 3 of Rock God. Verse 21 says this, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, A large crowd gathered around him while he was still by the lake. Uh, Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. 
Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. You see, folks, throughout his ministry, Jesus was like besieged by people physically hurting, right? Uh, people in desperate need of he healing. And, and evidently, there's this, there's this man named Jairus. He's, he's actually a daddy, right? He's got this little girl, and, and this little girl is actually dying. And I just want to stop here real quick and say that I'm actually a father of three, right? Many of you know this, and, and some of you are, are parents in here as well, or, or you will be soon, right? And, and I don't need to remind you, I mean, everyone here knows that every parent especially remembers the first day something went wrong health-wise with one of your precious little ones, right? I mean, maybe it was a fever that, that would never go down, or, or a broken bone, or an irregular heartbeat, uh, a, a rash of some sort, uh, an allergic reaction. In fact, I remember when my oldest one, little Allie, she's, she's going to be five soon. I remember when she was just born, and it was about the second or third week or so, and, and she started getting all colicky. Right? I mean, she just, she just would not stop crying and just throwing these tantrums and, and just uh, would have this fever and continuous crying for hours and hours. Her face would get all red and, and she would clench her fist like this, and, but her feet were like really clo uh, cold and she would refuse to sleep, refuse to be consoled, just crying, crying, crying all night. Now, now I knew, I knew as a father, because I read and I talked to other dads, right, that this was somewhat normal, that this was going to be okay. But, but at the same time, I wanted to do everything in my power, anything that I possibly could to keep my little girl from hurting, right? You all have been there. I mean, I would have done anything, anything to take her pain away. Right, folks? And, and, and now think about this. Think about this gyrus, Right? His girl is not colicky. His girl is dying. <laughs> so so it, it's, it's, it's no wonder why he goes running up to Jesus and it just literally, he just falls at Jesus' feet. Right? He, he falls at his feet and he starts pleading earnestly with him. My, my little daughter is dying. Please come. God, Jesus, just please come. And just, and just put your hands on her and, and so that she will be healed and live, please. I mean, parents, what would you do if your child was dying, right? And, and you thought that there was actually a person who had the cure. Better yet, what wouldn't you do? Hmm. See, this father, he's like this synagogue ruler, right? I mean, he, he, he was actually a very respected... This meant that he was a very respected man, a, a man of a certain level of prestige, right? But he actually didn't care what he looked like to other people. You see how he just, he just falls at Jesus' feet and begs him to come, please, just, just come, please, just, just, just touch her, right? I mean, do you hear the urgency? And, and what's interesting is that Jesus actually, he actually responds... In verse 24, check this out. So Jesus went with him. A, a large crowd followed and, and pressed around him. But, but check this out. On the way, on the way to help this desperate daddy, Jesus is interrupted, verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. 
She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up beside him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Okay, nothing really wrong with that, right? I mean, it's like, you know, we all multitask, right? I mean, Jesus is doing a little multitasking here, right? I mean, in fact, he's not even really aware, actually, that he's actually healing someone. It's just sort of on the go, right? He's, he's still on track. I mean, he's still headed towards Jairus' home where this girl is dying. I mean, I mean no one is, is wasting any time here. Everyone is still in go, 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 go mode, right? Until, verse 30, at once Jesus realized that Power had gone out from him. I mean, like, his batteries ran out or something? Are you kidding me here? (laughs) He he turned around in the uh, crowd and and asked, who who touched my clothes? And just like that, everything stops. I mean, can you imagine what Jairus must have been thinking during all this? I mean... What are you like when you're in an absolute rush and you're flying down Route 80, 287, whatever? You're just like flying down. You're going 80, 90 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden, you, 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 you see miles and miles of red brake lights. Brake lights, right? I mean, how do you feel at that moment? Now imagine your dying daughter is in the back seat. Yeah, now how do you feel? Verse 31, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around. Tick, 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 to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Meanwhile, I mean, can you just picture what Jairus must have been thinking? He must have been like, um, okay, Lee, I'm thrilled, really. I'm, I'm thrilled you feel better now. That's great, but, uh... I don't know why you couldn't wait just five more minutes because I have a daughter who's dying right now. And you've been like suffering with this thing for like 12 years. My daughter's dying as we speak. So I'm sorry, you know, you'll just have to forgive me if I'm a little upset with the fact that you're sitting here chit-chatting with Jesus. And then wouldn't you know it, Because Jesus delayed, because he delayed his journey, Jairus' worst fear actually comes true. Verse 35 reads, While Jesus was still chit-chatting, some men came from the house of Jairus, the the synagogue ruler, Your daughter is dead, they said. 
why, why bother the teacher anymore? Folks, there's, there's actually a word for that. Um, bon Jovi would call it bad medicine. I call it spiritual malpractice. At least that's what Tim Keller calls it. And you understand why. I mean, have you ever been to an ER? Anyone here ever been to an ER? Right? Yeah. Well, then you understand. Everyone knows that you don't get served in an ER based on your, the order that you came in. Right? No, no, no. You get served. You receive medical attention based on the urgency of your need. So, in other words, if a guy walks in and his daughter is actually dying, that is called an acute problem. It demands urgent, immediate care. You get pushed to the front of the line. Think of like a gunshot wound. Yet this woman, who has a bleeding issue, that would not be called an acute problem, but more of a chronic one. I mean, how long does it say that this woman has been suffering with her problem? How long again? Twelve years, exactly. See, folks, this was a lingering, ongoing, on-again, off-again, somewhat manageable issue. One that had been going on for a while. It wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. And everyone knows you immediately treat the acute problem while the chronic one, by definition, can wait. Yet what does Jesus do? I mean, you want to talk, seriously, you want to talk about bad medicine? He literally stops on the way to addressing this acute problem. He stops. And he turns to address this lingering, manageable, on-again, off-again, chronic one. And so it raises the question, when we have an urgent, acute need in our lives, why, oh why, does God sometimes delay treatment? I mean, are you feeling this? Why does God seem to delay when it matters the most? I mean, what takes God so long anyways? See, folks, that's what we're faced with in today's passage. God's seemingly terrible timing when it matters the most. Where is God? What is taking Jesus so long? Why the delay? Well, folks, let me share with you. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I actually got an email from a friend who attends one of our services. I asked him if I could use this. He gave me permission. Everything's cool, but... You see, he, he, he lost his job earlier in the year at the crux of the recession, right? And, and this whole time he's been looking for another job, trying his best to keep his family together, right? Doing the best and the most that he possibly can. And, and at the same time, prayerfully waiting on God, right? Let me tell you something. It's been tough. And, I mean, obviously, let me just speak to you, just person to person here. I mean, obviously... No self-respecting man with a family wants to be unemployed, right? And, 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 and you know something? You can actually, he, you can feel, you can hear the misery in his words. Th this is what he writes. Quote, 
A lot of things are not making sense right now, Pastor Tom, and my, my heart is broken because of it. I, I barely have the strength to write this. Right, right now, God is making very, very little sense. I am finding him to be cruel, and I'm feeling duped for following him. You see, I, I chalked up losing my job to this must be God's plan and, and sort of moved on with my life trying to figure out what to do next. And, and back in August, two different editors sought me out with jobs within their respective companies. And, and I thought that this was a sign from God that something was about to work out. But I didn't hear from them for two weeks. So I decided to call them both and, and both told me that they hired someone else. And so right now I'm crushed. I, I get being told no, but why on earth did they have to call me in the first place only to say, no thanks? It makes no sense. So I'm praying, God, what the... Seriously, my, my heart is breaking. And I'm wondering, is God still good or is he just jerking his people around, end quote? Folks, you ever feel jerked around by God? By his, by his timing or lack thereof? I mean, seriously, don't, don't you think, I mean, just honestly here, okay? Don't you think God's timing here, my buddy, and certainly with that of Jairus, don't you think that God's timing is just, well, let's just say it, it's plain old cruel? I mean, honestly, this guy's been out of a job for a year. He finally gets two leads. He's waiting on them. And, and he, he gets these two leads and he, only to find out that they, uh, they just kind of forgot about him, hired two other people. I mean, do you understand his confusion, his, his pain, and, and his anger? It's something like the, the situation where this little girl dies because Jesus gets all caught up with this like, little sideshow over here. I mean, folks, I got this email. What, what would you, what would you tell your friend? How would you respond to your buddy if he or she had an acutely urgent need in life, but God just seemed to needlessly delay? What's your answer to that? See, in these sort of situations where there's an acute need, we tend to think that an urgency of response equals a depth of care. Th that if Jesus really cared for Jairus' dying daughter, it, he would have responded right, there in the, right then and there, no delays. And had Jesus done that, had Jesus cared enough, had, had, had there been a sense of urgency in Jesus' response in his steps, that Jairus' daughter would still be alive, right? We, we tend to think that way, but no, 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 no. Notice Jesus' response to the news of the death, verse 36. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, let, let, let's read this together now, don't be afraid, just, just believe. Exactly. Folks, do you, do you hear like a recurring theme here? Huh. 
Some of you are nodding your head. You know it's, it's actually something that Pastor Tim brought up a couple of weeks ago, right? Don't be afraid. That's, that's talking about what? Fear. Just believe. What's that talking about? Faith. Exactly. Jesus is asking Jairus to choose faith over fear. To choose faith over fear. Jesus is saying, hey, look, Jairus, believe me. Trust me. Don't be afraid. Don't misinterpret my lack of an urgent response as a lack of care. Because here's the thing, folks. Simply put, the delays of God teach us lessons we could not possibly learn any other way. You see, folks, in the delays of God, we find priceless lessons. In fact, I want to go ahead and call out two of them here for you so you can feel free to jot these down in your notes. The first priceless lesson is this. Number one, God is rarely early, but he is always on time. You see, that's a problem if you're someone like the bleeding woman who had a very, what I call a, a superstitious faith. See, folks, and, and the reality is a lot of us actually have a superstitious faith. What I mean by that is notice how this woman, this woman was actually looking for a sort of uh, one-stop shop, right? Her, her own private little sort of bless and go. In other words, she just wanted to get her fix and then split. Sort of, sort of superstitiously, superstitiously thinking to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And you know, some of you kind of sort of laugh and you just kind of snicker in your minds, but actually a lot of us are like that too, right? Uh, we, we sort of think, you know, well, if I just don't step on the cracks on the sidewalk... <laughs> If I wear my lucky sweater or my, my lucky tie, right? If, if I just wish upon a star and, and all just silly superstitions. Oh, but you know what? It comes in a Christian flavor as well, right? Uh, the Christian flavor sounds like this. If I just read my Bible every morning, if I just pray before every meal, or maybe, maybe I'm not praying enough because if I were, then surely God would give me what I want. No. Now you see, one of the reasons why Jesus delayed was because he wanted to take this woman with a very superstitious faith and turn her into a woman of personal faith. Now what do I mean by personal faith? I mean a relationship with Jesus that is not based on these sort of superstitious rituals and these religious whims, but based on complete and utter trust in his timing and in his character, which says, God is rarely early, but he's always on time. Twelve years. Folks, twelve years he made her wait. Why? Because you see, folks, Jesus didn't want to just feel, you know, heal her hemorrhage. 
He also wanted to heal her heart. So my question for you today is this. What deeper issue is God trying to heal in you while you're waiting? Remember, God is rarely early, but he is always on time. Some of you are thinking right now, okay, that's, that's great. Well, I, I see how that worked out for this bleeding woman, but, but what about Jairus? Let's go back to him. I mean, what finally happened to him and, and his, his daughter who died? Well, we see that after healing the bleeding woman, Jesus actually does go with Jairus to, to see his daughter. Take a look with me at the second part of verse 40 there in your Bibles. It says, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and, and went in where the child was. He, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talisakum which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She probably started texting her friends, you know, uh, OMG, TTYL, you know. She was 12 years old, right? <laughs> At this, they were completely astonished. Now, now folks, do, do you see what's happening here? I mean, Jairus came to Jesus, and what was he lo- He was looking for a fever cure. But instead what he got was an actual resurrection. See, he was, he was looking for a healing, but he actually got new life. He, he wanted one thing, but he got something so much better after the delay. And so, folks, there's a second major lesson to be learned in this little mix here, and, and it goes something like this. Lesson number two, God's delays are not necessarily... His denials. I I, I sort of like to think of it as a traffic light, nice and simple. In other words, a lot of times we we tend to interpret God's delays as this big red traffic light, right? As if God is up there, you know, his arms folded, you know, kind of saying, you know, no, 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 no. When in actuality, God's delays are more like yellow lights. Not, 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 not yet. See, folks, God's delays don't always mean no. Delays aren't always denials. Sometimes they actually lead to better things. Again, I see some parents out there right now, right? And you experience this sort of dynamic with your children all the time, right? I'm just starting to learn this myself. Right? Uh, those of you that, that don't know me, you've you got to know that the Kang Gang, um, my little family of five, we are a big red velvet family. Okay? Well, what I mean by that is this. Uh, we all, every single one of us, all my girls, even the little baby, uh, don't tell my wife, uh, we all love red velvet cupcakes, cakes, ice cream, custard, whatever. Right? I, you go to Magnolia's Bakery in, in the village. I mean, we love red velvet cakes. And uh, one day last year, you know, Erica, for uh, Allie's uh, pre-K class, she was kind of making some of uh, these red velvet cupcakes for, for Allie's class. And, you know, she got out all the ingredients, you know, the milk, the eggs, the sugar, the mix. And, you know, had a picture of it right there, all the directions and everything. And the girls, they just wanted to eat the batter, right? Maybe they were watching Daddy. I don't know. But they just, <laughs> they just wanted to eat the batter. 
And, and, and my wife, Erica, was like, no, sweetie, not yet, not yet. The, the raw eggs, they'll make you sick. Oh, you're making a mess, all this stuff, right? And, and, and you know, trying to explain to these girls and maybe her husband, it needs to bake first. You, you have to wait. The, there's, a, there's a certain delay. You need to account for a, a sort of baking time. But you know what? The girls don't understand baking time. They're only four and two years old. So, so they're left with this. They, they, they need to just trust their mommy, right? And, and so actually, here's a picture of my girls waiting. This is, this is literally taken that day. They're waiting in front of the oven <laughs> during the delay. You know, folks, I mean, to, to have that kind of childlike faith, right? And you know what? We all get that. As adults, there are times when we need to delay things for our children despite their whining and despite their crying and their pleading because our children simply don't know what we know. But here's the thing, folks. The gap of knowledge between you and a child is far smaller than the gap between you and an all-knowing, perfect God, isn't it? I mean, that space between you and a child may be large, but it is like nothing compared to the gap, to the chasm between you and the knowledge of God and the perfectness of God, right? Yet sometimes we get so antsy during our necessary baking times, don't we? So much so that, that a lot of times when we experience God's delay, we're actually willing to settle for the batter. Forgetting or choosing not to believe that God actually might know better. <laughs> and so just think with me here for a second. What if, going back to our passage in Mark, what if the reason for Jesus' delay was so that he could turn a cold but very well-respected religious figure into a passionate follower with an increased appetite for God? Or, or, or what if the reason for Jesus' delay was so that he could turn a superstitious, bleeding woman into a faith-filled disciple with a personal relationship with not just her healer, but her creator and savior as well. Or, or here's one for you folks. Just think about this one for a second. What if, what if the reason for Jesus' delay was something we'll never know for sure this side of eternity? Would that be okay with you? I mean, because frankly speaking, though, though we can sit here and postulate all day the reasons why Jesus may have delayed and we have some clues, chances are there will be plenty of situations in our own lives where we're going to have less clues and where the answers won't always be so clear. See, folks, we all have different baking times. 
And, and so there, there'll be days when God's delays won't make any sense to us at all. I mean, you're going to be sitting there crying and wondering and pounding your fist when, when you wonder if God even cares, where you wonder, you know, has he just forgotten about me? What is taking Jesus so long? I thought he was like this all-powerful God. Maybe some of you are actually going through that right now, today. Well, here's a question for you. Could you be okay with that? Could, could you be okay with that and resist the urge to accuse God of practicing bad medicine and acknowledge that maybe, just maybe, His ways are not your ways, yet still trust His timing for always? Would you be able to, in faith, think a bigger thought and accept the fact that that, that there just might be a massively crucial fact out there, something like, you know, cupcakes taste better when they're baked, right? To, to understand that, that only a good and perfect father knows, and, and, that, and that maybe you don't have knowledge, and maybe you're not privy to that fact just yet. Folks, would you be able to trust the father with that? Because I want you to think of it this way. It, it's as if Jesus is saying to us right here, Hey, look, if it seems like I'm needlessly delaying, just sort of torturing you for, for no good reason, I'm not. Please trust me. I've got some details that, that you don't understand just yet, so I just, I need you to trust me. I love you, and I have the best in mind for you, but it's just going to take a little bit of time. But it's for your absolute best. Trust me. I love you. Folks, would you be okay with that? I mean, I know it's, it's like bad medicine, isn't it? it it's, it's hard to swallow, but, but it's the truth. And personally, let me, let me share with you this. What helps me absorb that in a way where I don't get bitter at God, because it's hard to wait. It's hard to wait during the delays. But something that helps, uh, uh, helps me to absorb that in a way that I can give God the benefit of my doubt is to re actually remember the name of the bleeding woman who actually made Jesus delay. Uh, did, did any of you catch her name? Go ahead and take a peek with me in your Bibles. Go, go ahead and, and try to pick out her name there in your Bibles, right? Give you a second. Uh, right, uh, there is no name actually, right? There's no name identified. I, instead of a name, did, did you notice what Jesus called her? Do you see it there in, in verse 34? Daughter. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Are, are you catching this? This is a, this is a key, key detail here, you see. Because in other words, the same urgency that Jairus, th this daddy, had for his own daughter, we need to also remember that Jesus also had for this bleeding woman. You see, to Jesus, both of these were his beloved daughters. They were both the bleeding woman 
and Jairus' little girl. They were both daughters of Jesus. And of course, the heart of any good father, certainly a perfect father, is one that loves all his children. You, you, you see that when Jesus heals the bleeding woman, and you see that when Jesus resurrects the little girl from the dead, saying, Talitha kum, sweetie, it's time to get up. Talitha kum. See, it, it, it's, the, it's the kind of thing that a, that a good Jewish daddy would say to his daughter right in the morning as, as the sunlight begins to pour into her bedroom. Parents, it's, it's the kind of thing that, that you parents would say to your little child on a Saturday morning, wake up, pumpkin, rise and shine, it's, it's time to start the day. Point, whether your need is acute or chronic, you can trust your daddy completely. So, folks, will you trust him in the delay? I mean, do, do you know God as your personal father to the point where you can say, yeah, you know what, I know my daddy is rarely early, but he is always on time. You know something else? I know my daddy sometimes delays, but that doesn't mean that he denies. I know, I, I get it. I, at first, the delays all seem like a sort of spiritual malpractice. But it's nothing like that at all, folks. And in fact, it, it, it's, it's not just that Jesus can be trusted. It's that Jesus can be trusted especially in and because of the delays. And so it actually turns out that maybe those boys with big hair from Sayreville, maybe they actually got it right after all. God's love can seem like bad medicine. But sometimes, bad medicine is exactly what we need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you know, I'm just really burdened right now, honestly, Lord, because I'm looking out into the crowd and... And I know some of the stories, God. I, I know some of them because of um, just personally speaking to them or just emails. And it just, ah, oh God. And I've, I've been there too. And in some ways I am there right now, Lord, where your delays just suck. Where it's just so hard to, ah, it's just so hard to go through these delays. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to remember through this passage, through your Spirit, that, that you are rarely early, but that you're always on time. That your timing is not like our timing, that, that we want you here and now, but sometimes there's a bake time, a sort of baking time that we forget or are not aware of, and we just want to eat the batter. So I pray for that man, woman, or child in this room right now that, that might be in that situation. I also pray, Father, that you would help uh, many of us to see that, you know what, this red light that we, that we perceive, maybe it's not a red light, maybe it's a yellow one. Maybe instead of no, it's a not yet. And to wait on you, to hope on you, to put our trust and our faith and our, our hope in you, the, the only one that, that is worthy of that trust and hope, Lord. So 
Father, my, my heart goes out uh, to the people listening right now. I pray, Father, that you would help us during the delays, Lord, that we would seek your face and that we would be found by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.